0: Hey friends, welcome to episode 122 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dora Swift. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I have a great show for you. My guest today is Dr. Michaela Albertson, and she wrote the book, Ordinary on Purpose. And it's going to be a really great show. You want to stay tuned. But I want to first thank you for listening in and ask if you could rate and review Fierce Calling. It will help more people find the show. You can actually do that on Apple Podcasts. I have a link in the show notes to help you find that. And you can also uh, do that on Podchaser and other places where you listen in. And yeah, and also I want to remind everyone that I have a Bible study that I'm working on right now. And stay tuned and join my email list so you won't miss a thing on that. So yeah, have you ever wished for just an ordinary day Because when life's messiness hits hard and we discover that the perfect life we strive for doesn't exist, things can be really hard. But my guest, Dr. Michaela Albertson, shares how even through brokenness, sunset moments happen every day. And she also says that perfect is pretend and life happens in the ordinary. And isn't that so true? And I love her sunset moments. You'll have to listen in and hear her tell her story. It is so powerful, you know, about her husband's addiction and marriage and all of that. But listen in. We'll have a chat with Dr. Michaela Albertson. But before we get into the show, listen to this message from Access More. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome my friend, Dr. Michaela Albertson. She's a family practice doctor turned mostly stay-at-home mom who is passionate about Jesus and all things ordinary, which I love so much. Since 2017, she has been writing and inspiring women to let go of striving for the world's experiences so that they can fully embrace the good, hard, ordinary life. Michaela lives with her husband just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah, and together they raise their five children. And I love how the message of the book includes she wants women to know that they don't need to prove anything to be loved, worthy, and free. You can find beauty and hope in our perfect loving God, and that is a precious message for us to hear today. Welcome to the show. How
1: are you doing today, Dr. Michaela? <laughs> Oh, I'm so great. I'm so excited to be here this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I just have been
0: really delving in and reading your book because I received a copy of it because you're going to be on the show. And what a powerful story. I would love if you would share a little bit about your story, how you feel led to, and where you're taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect.
1: Yeah, sure. I, I, Wrote this book called ordinary on purpose, um, because I feel like we're sort of told by the messaging of the world that life should be bright and shiny and as close to perfect as, as we can be. I think that's sort of a message that I'd invoked somewhere along the way anyway. And I thought that I was in control of all of that. I really, um, just sort of grew up thinking if I just make all the right choices along the way, if I'm in the right at the right school and I get the right career and I marry the right man and um, we're gonna just have this perfect life together. And so um, I think I've always sort of been a, an achiever, I think, and sort of had this life plan that was going to lead to this perfect life. and i I did okay at that for a little while I, Um, I went to school on a full ride. I got into the medical school I wanted. I married my high school sweetheart. And then somewhere in the middle of all my striving, it all sort of started crumbling apart in my hands. Um, My the first seven years of my marriage, um, I was married to a man who was struggling with addiction Um, Drugs and alcohol became a big part of our story. And at the same time, I was in the the last few years of my medical training. So I was in residency, um, which is well known for really long hours. It's pretty typical to work an 80-hour work week. And I had also started a family during that time. So I had two little children um, who, when my husband went away to rehab a second time, they were three and one. And so suddenly it's like, my life was so far from perfect. And those plans I'd been really striving for for so long um, were so far from coming to fruition. Mm -hmm. And um, I sort of just had the realization like, I think I've been chasing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think this perfect thing is even real. And I had this feeling like, you know, what I really want is an ordinary life. I just want, I want regular, you know, I think my goals changed so much during that time. Cause, um, at that point I was sort of in survival mode and I didn't even have a, a regular life. It didn't feel like, so, um, that's when I sort of began to appreciate ordinary things. I think when you're in that, um, when you're in kind of devastation, whatever it is, when a marriage is crumbling or you've, you've lost someone close to you, or you're just kind of in one of those really tragic moments that are bound to come along in life. I think perfect isn't even on your radar anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think the ordinary takes on a new importance.
0: That's beautiful. And what a healthy outlook to discover how, very beautiful ordinary is. And um, I remember one time when I wrote a post, a blog post, and um, I think it was one that appeared on on Encourage, the Mm -hmm. Encourage site. Uh, And one of the quotes I put in there was, God does extraordinary things in the midst of our ordinary days. And it's just like you were saying, you had almost like a formulaic kind of a process Because we feel like if we do all the right things and make all the right decisions, then all the right outcomes will happen according to what we think the outcomes should be. And then our expectations get crushed when things don't go like that. And um, so I think it's such an important message that you've brought forward about just basking in the ordinary because we try to be extraordinary I mean we might not think of ourselves as that way but like you're saying striving for perfection we're trying to be extraordinary but really God is extraordinary and so we make him known and and so I love that so much so so as you went along in this journey what are some of the eye-opening lessons that you've learned
1: yeah I think I think the main thing is I so I was raised Catholic. We weren't regular churchgoers, but I went, you know, I got my sacraments and I learned all these fancy formal prayers and, you know, it seemed so separate. I I thought from life, it was like something else you did during certain times. And I think through that journey of really losing a lot of things, I sort of discovered this new relationship, like a real relationship with Jesus that he's not reserved for special moments or, you know, certain holidays or Sunday mass, but that he's with you through just the ordinary moments of your day. And I had never really learned how to just pray, Mm -hmm. um, even the prayers that don't make sense, kind of your crying, babbling prayers. And I think that going through that experience, it was years of time, I sort of discovered him with me throughout all of the moments of my day. And so I think that relationship has been kind of the greatest gift. And I think I feel that relationship and God's presence in really ordinary moments. Um, So when I'm out watering in the garden and just the smell of the hose and the hummingbirds come and I just think, wow, this is so magical. And I, I think I was missing a lot of just beauty in the ordinary because I was always looking forward to like the next big event or the next thing that I was striving for. And so, um, I think just that awareness of, beauty in the ordinary and God right there with you all the time, even in the just regular little things. Um, I think that's what I've taken forward from it the most.
0: I love that so much and how you're reminding us that God is in every moment with us and to become more aware of the beauty of the things that we do every single day that he is with us in and to stop and notice things. And I know in your book, you talked, you, you have like a transition time where you actually slow down from the busy, busy life. Do you think that some of the busyness was to try to keep your mind off some of the brokenness or how did that work in your life?
1: I think so. I think I was just trying to outrun it. Mm-hmm. I think we believe, okay, well, once this happens, once I get here, Maybe once we once we're done with residency, once we get the house, once we start the family. And I think I just kept shoving these milestones, you know, a little bit further ahead because inevitably when I would get there, I was like, oh, well, we haven't arrived yet. So I guess we'll move on towards the next thing.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.
1: Once I get here, maybe once, we, once we're done with residency, once we get the house, once we start the family, and I think I just kept shoving these milestones you know, a little bit further ahead because inevitably when I would get there, I was like, oh, well, we haven't arrived yet. So I guess we'll move on towards the next thing. So I think I was really trying to outrun it a little bit. And it's interesting because when like, then when something happens, um, sometimes we're just forced to stop. And so I think when, you know, something happened that he was sort of forced back into rehab. And I think it was just sort of this halt And I had to sort of start looking around and be like, okay, wait, what, what do I really want here? What, how is this supposed to go? I had to kind of take my hands off the wheel and all the racing towards something in the future and just be where I was and sort of rebuild from there. And so we, I think, I think we lived still in Nebraska when he went to rehab, we lived there for probably two more years. Um, But that sort of coincided with when I started working part-time. And then it was shortly after that, that then we moved to Utah and I started working even more part-time. And I think we were able to make some deliberate choices. Like maybe our kids don't need to be in five things all the time. You know, what do we, how do we, we got to make some deliberate choices about how we wanted life to look and um, not in an achieving way, I think, but just in how do we want our life to feel? And much of that was slowing down and sort of th- casting off the things that weren't serving us well.
0: Mm. I love the message of slowing down so much because we do, like you say, we try to strive to get kids in all kinds of activities and think that, that doing more means a better outcome and that's not really the truth. And even when it's good things, we can really exhaust ourselves and miss the big picture of what God is doing in our life when we're trying to strive so much. And being a, a doctor, too, like you were saying earlier, when you were in residency and then you, when you were practicing and, you know, doing all these things in an 80-hour work week. And we only have so many hours in a day. And so, um, so the slowing down really really resonated with me in your story. And a few more things. I love where the part where you share about the sunset moments. And you, you know, you were driving from a hard place that you had been to, but you would have missed that had you not been on that road. If you could elaborate a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I think during that time, you imagine when When things come along, you know, a divorce or a job loss or losing someone, I think you're sort of expected to be in survival mode a little bit. And in some ways I was, but it was like, actually, I had this weird calm and this weird peace sometimes. And I remember having that on my drive home from visiting my husband in rehab and just being really present on the drive. And then it was in Nebraska. And so just beautiful farms that you're going through farmland. And it was sort of that dusk hour that I was driving home and it was just so beautiful. And I remember thinking I would have missed just this drive if I, you know, if, if this hadn't happened and appreciating the beauty of it. And I think what I try to talk about in the book are the sunset moments will come along. I think there's sort of, guaranteed to us. It's like the sunset is this reminder every day of beauty and it's going to come every day. And every day it looks a little bit different. Sometimes it's like this, whoa, this breathtaking scene that lights up the sky. And sometimes it's not, it's a little bit hidden behind, you know, rain clouds or something, but it comes every day. And I just sort of realized like there will be beauty here too, even in this hard Time, I just it was sort of this reminder like, I'm with you, Michaela, and there you're going to be okay, and there's going to be beauty, and every day the sunset will come. So, I have that thought from time to time, like, Oh, this is a sunset moment, Um, even if it has nothing to do with the sunset. I'll just think, Whoa, this is one of those moments, and I try to take stock of them when they come. Mm -hmm.
0: That is so beautiful, and I. I think that's going to stick with me and I hope that sticks with uh, a lot of our listeners today that those times that are sunset moments, as you were ex- describing that, it, it just strikes you that there's things in our life that will not be consistent, will not be constant and things in our lives like other people or things, you know, that we do or whatever that we can't always, you know, rely on a hundred percent and then we have God who is constant and he's the constant faithful god in our life just like you were saying sunsets happen every day whether we see it and it's, it looks different each time and so sometimes it's it's bold and spectacular in our eyes and sometimes it's subtle or hidden like you were saying and it's just like so beautiful to think of that as that's the work of god in our lives and how we can partner with him and sometimes people are looking for those mountaintop moments continually. And, and there are the valley moments that can be even more impactful for our lives. I know you talk a lot in your book about the times where you were in the deepest pit and, you know, you were just walking around in there and, um, and you just had a moment where it, you were done, right? So what happened in that moment?
1: I think it it's just I've been trying to carry everything. You know, I've been trying to fix everything and I um I spent years of time trying to make it better for my husband and trying to repair things and thinking okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, I was counting pills or I was, you know, doing all those kind of unreasonable crazy things I think we do and we think we're helping. Mm-hmm. And I describe in the book sort of this surrender moment. I was at the hospital. I'd been there um, on one of those 30 hour call nights and it was the wee hours of the morning. I'd been up all night, no sleep. And I remember just heading back to this really sad call room (laughs) that we had to stay in when we'd get a couple hours of sleep and feeling so tired and physically tired, but really just tired of all the things I was carrying. And I had this breakdown moment where I just sobbed. And it was the kind of cry, it's not like, oh, I, I'm a little sad crying. It was like toddler crying. And I had prayed many times for things to happen. Please help my husband get better. Please. Repair a marriage, please, you know. And I had really specific requests, Mm -hmm. but I think it was the first time that I just sort of acknowledged, I don't know how this is going to go. And I would like to just give it all to you, God. And however it's going to turn out, I had this realization that our marriage might be over. And I also had this realization that my husband might die. Mm -hmm. And I, it was a really, it's a hard to describe experience to take your hands off that and to just really hand it over. And I'm not a super theatrical person, but in that moment I lifted my hands for real and I'm crying and saying, I'm giving this to you now. And so I just, I really do think that was a before and after moment for me. I also say in the book that nothing happened. There was no thunderbolt from the sky nothing was different. The next day I got up a couple hours later and put my coat back on and I went out to rounds and I came home and I took care of my kids and I did all the same things, but something had changed in me, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was probably six months or so before sort of the the next big moment came that forced my husband into rehab a second time, but something in me had changed, I think. And so that's the moment that I come back to as my surrender moment.
0: That is just so key, how you were explaining that in the book and how you really, truly, this was a really, truly um, authentic surrender. Because you also mentioned in the book there's been times where you've given it all to God, taken it back. We've done those things so many times in our lives, and this was really. And I think, too, because in my own experiences of surrender as well and and what others share in their period of surrender it's that time where you're authentically really like this is it God and you're he knows our hearts he knows this is the she really means it this time so now we can get to work you know now she's surrendered it all to me because another thing in the book where I was reading about when you were attending Al-Anon meetings and when you first spoke at a meeting And you expected a totally different reaction from the people hearing your story. And it was kind of an eye opener for you, wasn't it? Can you tell us a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah, Helenon is sort of a different place. I've never been anywhere like that before. It is truly a place where sort of the world and expectations are stripped away. And so I brought those with me the first time I went there. And in the book, I sort of describe it as a coat I was wearing, but I was still kind of all armored up. And I, I told my story and here I was this young mom and I had these two little kids and my marriage was ending and I was pretty sure my husband was going to die. And I'm telling all of this and people were just looking at me like, nodding and sort of smiling and encouraging just, Oh, you know, um, and I was sort of expecting like that I was going to be the most pathetic story there and that there should surely be a little bit of shock at what I was putting out there. And I had a lot of, I just felt really angry and like, I don't think you people are getting it. I don't think you understand (laughs) what I'm going (laughs) through. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I did keep showing up there Cause I really had no other options. I think it was just people just kept saying, keep coming back. And uh, it was through their stories and really listening that I'm like, oh, everybody's story is really hard. And the reason they're nodding and sort of smiling is they haven't been there exactly, but they've been there in some way. And, I found some beauty anyway, right? Like they're, they're like, they have that serenity that we keep talking about. And, um, so I sort of describe in the book that I, I learned to take off that armor and be much more authentic. And, um, and I think through doing that, it was like, I became aware of the beauty of it. So Al-Anon was a really wonderful tool for me at that time. And I think it changed me going forward in my other relationships in many ways. And in my work as a physician, I think it was like, hey, let's take off our coats when we come in the room and then we can have some real connection. Yeah,
0: I really did love how you described it as wearing a puffy coat. And it just like, you know, you could just understand exactly what you were saying and how you had this armor of protection on you. but. So much different than the armor of God that we put on to protect ourselves from, you know, the fiery darts of the enemy and to be ready and stand strong and all of that. How we're to armor up. This is a different kind of armor that you felt then at, at a certain point in time that you could take that off and put it on the hook. And you, yeah. how you describe it, where next to all the other coats.
1: You know? Yeah, they they'd hung up their coats at the door and yeah. they were just sitting there, you know. There yeah. and exposed and so yeah Such that's where the real writing. connection
0: happened yeah there's so many beautiful analogies and in, in different things and metaphors and and things throughout the book and so I thought that was pretty important to mention because sometimes people want to hear me too like you were saying but then oftentimes because of we can only see like what's happening right in front of us. And when we're in the midst of it, in a dark place, we feel like nobody could be going through something as bad as I am. But then when you see others who have been there and have walked through the darkness and can smile again and and the things that they've experienced, it brings hope. So your message and your story, by sharing it, brings so much hope to other people because there's a really big choice that we can make when we're in a pit of despair. And the best and only real choice that we we should always make is to choose Jesus. To choose, you know, that the Lord can save us. And all throughout scripture, and you, you share these wonderful scripture verses, you know, um, in Isaiah and different, different other scriptures and psalms and things about, those exact struggles and how applicable it is to our lives. So I love that so much. And it just, it reminds me too, because you know, sometimes when our schedule is so crazy and we're on our way somewhere and it might not even be a place that's unpleasant or a place we really hate going or anything, but there's some days where we just feel like, gee, I wish I was just driving to pick up a pizza, you know, to go home And sit with my family and just have a normal night. And then um, I recently saw uh, a a t-shirt. I really need to get this t-shirt. And I shared it on Facebook. So it was so cool because it said, normal isn't coming back. Jesus is coming back. (laughs) But ordinary is so much different than normal, you know, because really what is normal? And so I love the ordinary message that we can live that way and simpler, right? Simpler in our life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I chose ordinary as sort of my word because I think there's a lot out there about simple living. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways, it's a little bit misleading because simple sometimes implies easy mm-hmm. and there are so many things about life that are not easy and there's so many times we'll encounter something that's not easy. Even if we're like, man, I've really slowed down and I've gotten rid of all my stuff and I've decluttered and I've done all these things. I'm, I'm vegan now. Why, what, I, it doesn't feel simple. Um, but I think ordinary leaves some room yeah. for hard you know, how ordinary is it that you have a hard day, yeah. right? Or that you encounter something that you don't know what to do with or whatever. I think it sort of leaves room for a range of things to happen. Um, so I think that's why that word has really stuck to me yeah. so much. That is the
0: perfect word, really, for this message. And when we think about it, if when everything is stripped away from us, all the, all the possessions in the world all our relationships in the world, all of our worldly goods, you know, all of those things. It just comes down to we are all made in the image of God, created fearfully and wonderfully made and knit together, you know, and embroidered as some of the translations might um, equate to in our mother's womb. We're a masterpiece of God. And and that is so very ordinary because it just brings us all on the same level of who we truly are and I think is that what your journey really was a discovery of your true identity
1: yeah I think that um, it's sort of the journey of me I I speak so much in the book to a younger version of me I share some really hard things that young me experienced mm-hmm. and um, I think the first time I wrote, the draft, it was for me, it was for younger me. And then of course, through editing and different things, I wanted to make it universal for other, for the readers and for perhaps younger versions of them too. Um, but younger me sort of emerges there many times. And I remember that even still, sometimes when I inevitably get caught up in something I want or a disappointment I have, or, you know, I, me in a swimsuit or something, you know, all those things. Like the the voice that I'm used to to speaking to myself that way. And I I think often of younger me, and how would I talk to her, and how would I love her? And so it really is the journey to kind of core me because I'm the same person today as I was when I was five. And so um, I think it's almost like relationship with yourself and discovering you the core of you that never changes, Mm -hmm. that that's kind of always been this beloved little creature. Um, So, yeah, I think it's kind of, I hope that that's sort of the takeaway from the book um, as well. And hopefully it can help people see their own journey to that Mm -hmm. and that it's an endless journey. Yeah.
0: I think the story in the book, how you lay it all out, it really is so impactful and is so relatable to so many people who have gone through a lot of trauma in their life and can look back now and see where God was at work and how he brings, as we say, beauty from ashes. And as a reminder that we don't have to forget things, but that by remembering it, we can see the faithfulness of God and what the power of forgiveness is. I know you talk about that in your book. Uh, you 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 do touch on um, in some areas of the book about body image and how you know we can we can have a different perspective, like you know, not a worldly perspective, but seeing things through a biblical worldview and how God sees us. And it's just really beautiful. And uh, you know, it's just an amazing message because it's something that ordinary on purpose like that is so upside down from what the world tells <laughs> us you know
1: <laughs> isn't it yeah. true yeah for sure
0: yeah it's just strive 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 and try to get there but like you were saying earlier every every milestone cuz we set our own milestones like where we want to be and it's okay to plan things and have goals and stuff but it's sure. like it seems like if we have it with the mindset that once I achieve this, then I've arrived. And then you arrive there and you're not arrived. (laughs) It's like, just kind of perpetual thing that keeps your mind so occupied that it distracts you from kingdom work or from your true calling or what God's calling you to do in this moment.
1: Yeah. Where you are. Yeah. So I write in there a little bit about becoming, and I think becoming is always, It's for every day that we're alive, we're still just becoming. So there's no arriving. There's just becoming someone else, someone new, and you're sort of the same person you were, but you're, you're a little bit changed. So, yeah,
0: that is so refreshing, really, you know, to hear that. And it's just, it, it makes us really think about the fact that we're being sanctified day by day, that we are justified in Christ, you know, and we're being sanctified day by day, but. We won't be glorified. We won't be, you know, in God's presence, perfected until the day that we reach glory in heaven, you know, with him um, for all eternity. So the things in your book really are helping people see things more through an eternal perspective versus a temporary perspective in a place that really isn't our home anyway, you know? Yeah. I love that message. So how is your family doing now? What's going on in your family life?
1: So we have a really busy family life. My husband is 14 years clean and sober. Praise God. I am working a couple shifts a month now. I'm a mostly stay at home mom. My kids have reached. So when my youngest was born, I remember thinking there's going to come a year when I'm going to have a senior and a freshman and a sixth grader, and a third grader and a kindergartner. And we're going to be in this like transition year mm-hmm where they're all starting on something new and I'm not going to have any little kids at home anymore. And that's this year. So we're sort of at the height, I feel like of busy, like kid busy activities. And we're also at the height with still at home of like groceries. I mean, we just go through food like crazy. And I'm, I'm sort of entering this time when I'm thinking about this fall, what am I supposed to be doing now? Because I'm not home with little kids anymore. And so we're just in this transition time, but I've also just decided that it's sort of a waiting period. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, I will forever be a planner, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think my tendency will always be to strive a little bit. Like I have to check that all the time and just bring myself back to where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a, it's not a comfortable spot for me to be in like the waiting and the not quite sure what the fall is going to look like, but that's where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah. It's really cool too, because it is a different season now and how we go through the different seasons of our lives. And I love how you said, it's a time of waiting now because oftentimes we try to fill a gap You know, like if we're in a room with people and there's a silent moment and nobody's talking, we feel like we have to say something to fill that gap. Well, it's okay to have a cushion of silence. It's okay to have a time of waiting before we feel like we have to jump into the next thing and or else we might miss what God wants us to do or whatever. But I love how you are making that such a point to wait on the Lord and let him lead Because sometimes we try to jump ahead of him and that never works out.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. I was in that space for a little bit. Just what what am I supposed to be doing? Thinking, thinking, thinking. And then I thought, you know, what? I I don't think I'm going to do anything for a minute. People ask you that question a lot when your youngest child goes to kindergarten. Like, what are you going to do next year? And as I was getting that question, I just kept thinking, what am I going to do? But now I'm okay with saying I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what I'm going to fill that time with. I'm going to wait and see how it feels, I think. And I'm going to wait and see what comes next. So, you know, when uh, somebody who's listening
0: right now, permission to just say, I don't know yet, you know, it's okay to not have an answer to everyone's questions or expectations of what we're supposed to do, because oftentimes what we think we're supposed to do isn't going to be what we are going to be doing because God surprises us. And I know that there's so much tension sometimes in trying to find our calling next or what are we doing, you know, and our calling can be different in different seasons of what God calls us to do. And so waiting on him is so important to know, you know, what his will is for our life and to follow his plans for our life. And so I, I just think that's so perfect to, bring that out because the message is about surrendering perfect yes (laughs) but we but the perfect answer can be you know I'm gonna let God lead (laughs) whatever we need to do so that doesn't mean we're perfect it means he's perfect and we're gonna wait for him (laughs) so I love that so much this has been just such an amazing time and I would love if you could share how our listener can connect with you and find out more and grab your book.
1: Sure. I am on social media at Ordinary on Purpose, um, Facebook and Instagram. So you can find me there under Ordinary on Purpose. I have a website as well where I share some things and you can get my newsletter. That's Ordinary on Purpose And then the book is really available wherever books are sold.
0: Nice. All right. Well, I will have all those links in the show notes so the listeners can find you. And, yeah, so Dr. Michaela Albertson, we've been talking about her story and her book, Ordinary on Purpose, Surrendering Perfect, and Discovering Beauty Amid the Rubble, which is such an important message for today with all the cray-cray stuff going on in the world and in our lives.
1: And I hope that I can
0: have you on again sometime. Is there... Another book maybe on the horizon or you're just kind of waiting right to see what God's going to do? I'm
1: I'm in the waiting period. I love writing and so I am sort of just writing and seeing where that leads, but I would love to put out another book. So I'm hoping that that's part of what my answer is this year. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> but for now I'm just letting I'm just letting it, the creativity come, I think and see see what takes shape. But yes, I would love to be back. I feel like I could visit with you all day.
0: Yeah, this has been so great, you know, and there was so much more that we can unpack. But I feel like the Lord really led us to the things that you were to share because he knows who's going to be listening to this and what they needed to hear. And friend, don't hesitate to reach out to Michaela, and just share your heart, how this episode has blessed you. I know she would love to hear that. And oftentimes we may not see the fruit of what God calls us to do right away, but things come out and He reveals things through stories that people share or the way that we, you know, share our story. And it helps other people feel the courage as God gives us courage to release and to share those things so that they're no longer hidden and um, we can be free. So thank you so much. And it's been such a great time today and may God continually bless you and your ministry and your family and what he's doing in your life. Thank you so much, Doris. All right, friend. Well, we will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening today. And wasn't that a powerful episode? It just, Brought me so much joy to talk to Dr. Michaela and hear her story and the story behind her book. And it is an amazing book. So please pick up a copy and pick up some copies for gifts too. We have Christmas coming up and uh, they would make a great gift of encouragement to someone. And I love how she talked about sunset moments. And I will never look at a sunset the same way again after having this conversation. And A quote that I found on her website, which really struck me, is uh, where she says, It might just be that this ordinary life is what I prayed for all along and exactly what he always planned. Friend, God is with us always. And, you know, our ordinary life is pretty extraordinary when you think about it, you know. And God is, is really wanting us to walk with him and he is walking with us even through the hard seasons of life and things ebb and flow things change seasons change but God never changes and so we can count on him just like we can count on his beautiful sunsets that happen every single day and the sun rises too so I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I will talk to you soon.